This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. You can go ahead and have a seat. Can you tell what's on my mind? What do you think? Anybody know who won the World Series? Yes, indeed. You know... Yeah, I'm a baseball fan, and I'm a Giants fan, yes, but you know, that provides a wonderful backdrop for our Bible teaching this morning, and you're thinking, how in the world could baseball provide a backdrop? Well, you'll see as we go through, this is the first week of spring training, in fact, Monday, the pitchers and catchers reported uh, for spring training, and I believe Friday, uh, the position players reported, and they had their first practice on Saturday. Isn't that interesting? We're going to learn some stuff about that as we go along, uh, because we're going to see how that ties into some wonderful biblical principles. So I just want to say, welcome to church. My name is Ron. I am um, the founding pastor of New Life, and excited to be here this morning, and excited to be able to share with all of us some teaching from the Bible. In fact, we're going to have a great time learning together. If this is your first time here, um, if you'll open your program, the rest of us already know this, if you open your program inside, you're going to find some teaching notes they're the only things in there that, you, uh, that have spaces for you to write in. So if you can find the fill-in-the-blank page of teaching notes, grab those. We'll get ready to dive into what we're going to talk about this morning uh, because uh, we're going to talk about the wonderful subject of training. Very, very important. I want to bring all of us up to speed on where we have been over the last several weeks this is a series of messages, teachings called Level 4 Living. You can see that on your teaching notes. And Level 4 Living is this. Here's the definition of it. It is life at its fullest. It'll be up here on the screen in a minute. Level 4 Living is life at its fullest. Jesus said it like this. He said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. So there's a direct connection between Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth as a human being and our ability and availability to experience life to its very fullest. And I want to tell you as a church that we take that very seriously. It is our job as a church to assist everyone who comes here in making steps of progress toward fullness of life. And we'll take a step in that direction this morning. Second uh, thing I want to say to you to bring you up to speed is this. And that is, fullness of life is determined by our proximity to Jesus. There are actually four stages of spiritual development. And if you could use your imagination with me this morning, starting all the way over here on your left would be exploring Christ. Next would be growing in Christ. After that would be close to Christ. And level four living is actually living a Christ-centered life. And the further that you go to the right, 
the more full your life gets, the more vibrant you get as a spiritual being, the healthier you get, and the more developed you become in your soul and your spirit. So those who are just exploring Christ, the great thing is they get to experience level one living, which is fuller than not even caring, much fuller. So they begin to taste what fullness of life might taste like. And when they decide to step over that line into level two, in other words, they go from exploring Christ to becoming a follower of Christ, to becoming a Christian, then the Spirit of Christ comes to live inside them, and they now experience greater life than they had when they were just exploring Christ. And now they have this whole new horizon of growing in Christ that, that's available to them. But then there's something that lies beyond that, and that is, it's okay for me to follow Christ, it's great for me to follow Christ, but how about if I want to follow closely to Christ? Sometimes pastors will call that pressing in to Christ. I could be following Christ, he could be way out there ahead of me and I'm just sort of lagging behind in the crowd, or I could press into him and say, I want to be one of those people that's right up next to Jesus. So those who decide to take that step become close to Christ and they have more life and a fuller life and a richer life and a greater life than those that are just sort of in the crowd because they're close to Christ. And those who say, no, for me, I want Christ in here. I want to live a Christ-centered life. I want to wake up every morning. I want to talk to him. I want to wake up every morning and I want my day ordered around him. I want him to be the center of my being. He's my identity. And from this day forward, everything I do will have Christ at the center of it. Those people get to experience level four living. Now, as a church, we want to assist every one of us to continually make progress in that because God's goal for you and for me is that we would experience level four living, not, in, not just in heaven, but right here. Those are the four stages of spiritual development. And then we noted that uh, for the next four sermons, we talked about God's design for this level four living, for this Christian life. And there are four great characteristics, overall characteristics of the life that God gives us in Christ. And the, and the first is this characteristic of freedom that God's going to break every form of bondage in our life. And as you sit here this morning, if you take a short survey of your life and, and you say, where am I bound? What, what captures my attention and holds my attention more than it should? What is it that rules or dominates my life? What is it that I make allowances for, maybe that I shouldn't be making allowances for? God wants to break that bondage in your life so that you can be completely free of every form of bondage. And then God wants to replace that with a wonderful spirit of generosity, which is this, it's giving freely of our time and giving freely of our talents and giving freely of, of the resources that God has placed in our lives, giving freely of the opportunities that God has given us, giving, free, giving freely of the influence that we have been given so that we invest that in ways. And that sort of leads us right into general characteristic number three, and that's the concept of outreach. It's natural for us to be uh, self-focused and inner-focused. And Christ wants to come and make us others-oriented in this life. 
And so that we become more concerned about other people. We have this natural uh, sense of reaching out to those around us. And then we talked about the sense of stewardship. That God gives us this, this wonderful sense that we are not here to be a consumer. We aren't even here to be an owner. We are here to be stewards. Because we're only here for a short while. We're only here for as long as we live. And when we leave, when we leave this earth, we leave it all behind. So that's God's design. Now, we're in the second part of this series of sermons. And, that's, and this part is about our responsibilities. What do our responsibilities look like? And our responsibilities could be summed up in two very simple words, and that is spiritual practices. We're going to talk about several really important spiritual practices. And these are things that you and I, these are activities that you and I must engage in if we're ever going to actually experience this fullness of life. Now, it's one thing to study fullness of life. It's another thing to actually experience it and say, wow, I'm actually living this out. And so these are going to be activities that God calls us to so that we can experience fullness of life. But before we get into that, I want to teach you this morning about training. We're going to go to a Bible teaching. Take a look on the video screens. Here's our first Bible teaching for the morning. The Bible says, train yourself to be godly. I want you to read that out loud with me. Would you please? Ready? Let's read it together. Train yourself to be godly. Now, don't look at the video screens and see if you can say that back to me. What did it say? Train. Good. You've memorized the Bible verse. Okay? That's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. So, and you can say that the rest of the week. I want that to resonate in your head. I want that to resound in your mind and in your spirit. What's your job as a Christian, as a follower of Christ on this earth? You're to be what? Training yourself to be godly. Now I want you to take your pencils and I want you to circle that word train. Because if you don't know how to do that, you won't be able to do it. He goes on to say, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for what? All things. Holding the promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now it's not in your notes, but you might want to jot it down in the margin. Godliness affects your life here, but it also affects your life in eternity. It doesn't so much affect whether you get into eternity with Christ, but how you train yourself for godliness here will affect what you get to do in heaven. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? I hope that sparks your interest. Because sometimes we think, oh, God has grace, and I can go out here and sin, and I'll just say, God, I'm sorry, and God has grace, and He'll forgive it. But friend, you're chipping away at what's going to be yours in eternity because you're not training yourself to be godly. Let's draw a number of principles out of this scripture. First of all, it's important that you understand what training is. Okay, Here's a great definition of training. Training is ordering my life around the activities that will enable me to do what I cannot do through direct effort. I'll give you two very simple examples. Spring training. Why do baseball players report to string, spring training? Why don't they just start the season, you know, meet together on Monday, put together a game plan, have their first game on Tuesday? 
there would be some serious injuries, correct? Because the pitchers could not pitch a game like they should be able to pitch a game because they haven't gone through training. The players couldn't play the game like they could play the game if they had gone through training because training enables us to do what we can't do now to do later. We can be able to do it. For instance, most of us in this room right now, if we said, hey, part of church this morning is we're all going to go out and run a marathon. (laughs) We'd have a very small crowd if we announced that ahead of time, right? And there's no walking in this marathon. It's only running. We'd have an even smaller crowd. Because the truth is, most of us in this room right now could not run a marathon. We'd kill ourselves. We'd pass out. It's just not possible. But you know, if we were to enter six months or a year of purposeful training for the single purpose of being able to run a marathon, probably 75% of us in this room could actually run a marathon in a year. Because we will have ordered our lives around the activities that would enable us to do what we cannot do now through direct effort. That's what training is. Now, what's our memory verse for the day? What is it? Train Train your... Oh, to be godly. That means you and I need to be ordering our lives around activities that will enable us to be more godly next year than we are this year. Does that make sense to everybody? That's literally what the Bible means when it says train yourself to be godly. Let's draw another principle out of this. There's some training requirements, four of them actually. And for training to be effective, number one, it has to be a high priority. I said to you that the pitchers and catchers reported down there to Scottsdale, Arizona, they reported for spring training on Monday. What was Monday, anybody? Valentine's Day. Do you think that was real convenient? You think all the wives said, man, that's great. You're going to spring training on Valentine's Day. I like that. Probably not. But it's a high priority. You see, if we're going to train, it's not going to always be convenient. It's not even always going to be comfortable. All training involves discipline. And that means we have to raise it to a high priority. And the things I'm going to call you to this morning and challenge you with will not always be convenient in your life. The second thing about training is it has to be chosen practices. Okay? A diet is a form of training, is it not? How about if my diet, I just have random exercises that I choose, like eating chocolate chip cookies. That's a good exercise. That's a good activity. You know, if I just got braces, I could be pumping iron, right? (laughs) Nah, you figure, no. If we're going to train, we have to have carefully chosen practices. And I'm going to talk to you about some of those practices this morning if you're going to, if you're going to make progress on the spiritual continuum. Okay? The third requirement is they have to be regularly repeated. You can't say, I'm going to train. Let me see. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to run a 100-yard dash twice this year to get me ready for the marathon. Wrong practice and not repeated nearly enough. Yeah, 
because they have to be regularly repeated. In fact, they have to be repeated to the point. This is what real training is about. It's repeating an activity to the point it becomes second nature to you so that when you get in the heat of the battle of the game, you, you don't have to think through what you're supposed to do. You can just respond to it because you've been trained. Well, spiritual training is no different. It has to be regularly repeated. And then last of all, has to have a greater purpose. There's no one who practices just to practice. You practice so you can succeed in the game. You practice or you train so you can lose weight. You train so you can feel better, so that you have better health, so you can live longer. No one practices just to practice. We always practice for a greater purpose. Well, the truth is, I'm going to talk to you about God's Word this morning. And the truth, truth is, if you read the Bible just to read the Bible, you miss the point. It's training for a greater purpose. It's so that you can become godly. We're going to talk about that too. Now, the, uh, before I get into the actual heart of what I'm going to say to you about this spiritual practice, let's talk about two practice principles. And if you've ever played any form of organized athletics, you know these. Here's, here's practice principle number one. If you don't practice, you don't what? It's just that simple. If you don't practice, you don't play. By the way, what does that mean about spiritual training? If you're going to train yourself to be godly, if you don't train, what are you not going to be? Godly. Because if you don't train, you're not going to get in the game. You'll never succeed. You simply won't be godly. And here's the second principle of practice. If you don't practice hard, you won't play what? Well, you hear coaches say this all the time. Boy, we just had a terrible week of practice. And guess how they played? Just like that. Or a coach will say, boy, I could tell this was going to be a great game because everybody got in there, and I mean they drove themselves in practice. They practiced hard, and they couldn't wait for this game. Well, if you practice well, you play well. If you don't practice well, you don't play well. What does that mean about spiritual development? If you train hard and well, then you become godly. If you don't train hard, you don't train well, you just don't become godly. And if you don't become godly, then you give away the promise for this life and for the life that is to come. That's why the spiritual practices... Now, last week, Kevin talked to us about community. And many of us made commitments about community because you're not going to make progress in spiritual development on your own. You're going to make it in the context of community and doing that, taking that journey together. If you ever get an email from Kevin, what's his, what's his standard signature on his email at the bottom? On the journey together. Yeah. Sense of community. This morning I'm going to talk to you about spiritual practice number two. And it is God's Word. Spiritual practice number two is God's Word. Let's take a look at two passages of Scripture. Jesus says, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And then Jesus also quoted a passage from the Old Testament. He said, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I have a question for you. Do you believe that? 
Now, if you've been a Christian, you go, yeah, I believe that. It's in the Bible. No, I didn't ask that. I asked if you, I didn't ask if you believed it was in the Bible. I said, do you believe that? Do you actually believe that the Word of God is life to you? Because if you don't believe that, nothing in the world will drive you to it. It'll be a useless exercise for you. But if you take your Bible and you look at your Bible and you say, this is life to me, then what are you saying at the same time? If you take this away from me, what happens to me? I what? I die. Now, if you just got that, you really got, you really got the point of the message. That the Word of God, Jesus said, the words I have spoken to you are what? Spirit and life. I have a question for you. Do you think it's possible to experience fullness of life and have a shriveled soul? What do you think? Impossible. Correct? It's just not going to happen. So when I talk to you about God's Word, I'm talking to you about the source of life. I didn't say church was the source of life. Now it ties into the source of life. But if you were to take this church and you were to extract from it the Word of God, there would be no life in this church. Is everybody on board with that? Shake your head like this. Yeah. If I got up this morning and I said, you know, I came to talk to you about Wheaties, the breakfast of champions. Anybody want to be a champion? I want to talk to you about the virtues of Wheaties. How much life is there going to be here? Not much. Because it's the words of God that are life to all people. So fullness of life is found there. Okay? People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I want to talk to you a little bit about bread. I want to talk to you about food because Jesus is actually saying in both of those passages, Jesus is actually saying the Word of God is like food for your soul. So let's talk about how your body processes food. And there's some wonderful analogies that tie into this concept of training ourselves to be godly. So the first thing that you have to do with food in order for it to bless you is you have to eat it. Okay? So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about eating. If you go without eating, eventually you die, and it usually doesn't take that long, correct? Yeah, I've never actually tried that, nor do I have any desire to do that. In fact, if you look at me, you know I don't miss too many meals. <laughs> so we have to eat in order to live. Now, it, it sounds radically sort of stupid and simple to say, what is it that our spirit and soul feeds on? What did Jesus say we feed on? God's Word. If we don't eat God's Word regularly, what happens to our soul? Shrivels and dies. That's how important it is. You have to eat it. 
I want to give you two ways to eat God's Word, okay? And the first is through public teaching. And by the way, we're going to talk about three different things we need to do with God's Word, and they all have a public sector and they all have a private sector, okay? It's very, very important for us to regularly participate in public in the public teaching of God's Word. That's why the author of Hebrews would say, don't, don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves like some people do. Why? Because it's in the public teaching of the Word that we get taught and exposed to great principles of God's Word. And there's something that happens in the public setting that doesn't happen in the private setting, which is why Jesus said, when, we, when even just two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I'll be there with you. And the first song we sang this morning was about God meeting us here. And He's here. And as I'm teaching you, I'm not teaching you my words, I'm teaching you His words. And as I teach you His words, He comes and meets you and helps you eat His words so that you can take them into your soul and take them into your spirit. But I have an additional question for you. If you ate food only once a week, how would you do? Well, some of us for a while may be good, but... For most of us, you do that long term, and the doctor's going to say, no, that's not going to work. Because your body was not designed to eat once a week. It was designed to eat multiple times each day. That's how your body functions best. Guess what? Your spirit and your soul were not designed to feed on God's Word once a week. As good as public teaching is, And as necessary as it is, there's more to it. So the personal side of this is personal reading. And if you're going to train yourself to be godly, then it's going to be important for you to make sure that every time the church gathers together, you come and you come with an open heart and say, God, I want to feed on your word this morning. It's life to my soul. But it's also important that you get up every day and sometime in your day you, 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 you call a time out and you set everything else aside and you pick up the Bible and you read and you feed on God's Word personally. Now you might not understand everything in there. I've been a pastor for 40 years. I don't understand everything in the Bible. But I do understand this. When I read it, and I take it in, my soul does better. And when I don't, my soul doesn't do so good. Yeah. So what else do we do with food? After we eat it, it's pretty important that our bodies digest it. When I was pastoring in Hawaii, I went to visit a lady who was in the hospital, I think 120 days in a row probably the longest of anybody I've ever pastored, just to be in the hospital. And she had a problem with her stomach and her intestines, and they didn't digest her food. And without being gross or graphic, she would eat, and within 10 minutes it would pass completely through her. And she was losing weight like crazy. And the problem was not that she wasn't eating, but that she was not digesting. Because your body has to assimilate it. Well, how do our spirits assimilate or digest God's Word? 
Well, there are two wonderful ways that God has given us to actually digest His Word once we've taken it in. And the first is through public discussion. In this church, that takes the form of life groups. And the vast majority of us, I think 86% of all of our regular attenders in this church are in life groups. That's a great figure, don't you think? Yeah. You know what that means? It means that when we get together on Monday or Tuesday in these groups of, you know, 8 to 20 people, when we get together and we pull out God's Word and we begin to study God's Word, there's an amazing thing that happens. I might teach you a passage of Scripture or you might go home and read. How long does it take you to read a verse from the Bible? A few seconds, correct? When you go to life group and you haul out that one verse, you might talk about that verse for five or ten minutes. Isn't it? It's no great wonder then that if you process a verse for five or ten minutes, you get a lot more out of it than in the 20 seconds it took you to read it. Yeah, because in reading it, you're taking it in, but in discussing it, you're digesting it. That's a pretty important process. to take the time to assimilate it. That's the public part. The personal part is this. It's important for us to do a thing that the Bible calls meditation. I'm not talking about getting in some yoga position and, and, and doing some chant. I'm talking about turning off the media, getting yourself in a place where you have time to think and taking the time to think about what you read earlier in the day or what you heard this morning or what was discussed at your life group. It's sort of what cows do. They go and graze and then they look for a nice warm or shady place and they sit and then they chew it again and again and again. And you know, when you're training yourself to be godly, you will find yourself thinking about what you learned on Sunday and thinking about what you learned in your life group and thinking about what you read in your Bible this week. You will find yourself thinking about it at 2 or 3 in the afternoon when you're on break at work, when you're riding in your car, when you're laying on your bed before you go to sleep. Because what are you doing? You're bringing back up those principles and thoughts and you're digesting them. Super important. Which is, by the way, why I'm going to suggest to you at least once a day that you turn off all media, turn your TV off, turn your radio off in your car, at least once a day, give yourself time and opportunity to just think. And give God a chance to not only help you eat His Word, but digest it. Then the third thing that you have to do with food is you have to exert Okay? What happens if you eat and you digest, but you don't do anything? You don't get well nourished, you get fat. Can I say that any plainer? All right? And the thing that is supposed to give you life can actually end up taking your life. Did you know you can do that with God's Word? Several years ago, Amy Grant came out with a song called Fat Baby. And it was just about that very thing where Christians would go to church and they go to Sunday school and they go to life group and they go to conventions and they go to seminars and they just take in and take in and they take in, but they don't serve anybody. They don't do anything with it. They're just learning more and more and more. Yeah, 
the reason that God made your physical body so that it would get fat if you ate without exertion is He wanted you to know what would happen to your spirit if you ate spiritual food without serving. There's two dimensions to serving. There's public ministry. It takes place in this church every week. We have hundreds of people in this church who work in ministry. And God bless every one of you because you're learning, you're digesting, and then you're exerting. And on virtually everything that Christ will teach you, it will have its best application as you serve other people. And I want to challenge everyone sitting here this morning, if you're not involved in public ministry, you're getting fat. You're not getting well nourished. Because God designed your spirit to serve in public ministry. And that's usually the easiest place to get started. Because you're serving alongside other people. It's not all that intimidating. And as you mature more and more, yes, you'll continue public service and public ministry, but you'll also enter an arena called personal service. And this is what you do when no one else is around and when no one else knows and when no one else is looking. You just serve everyone. Yeah. As we wrap it up, I want to give us four ways to apply this. Four steps. Let's take a look at our next steps. The first one is, if you haven't chosen to become a Christian, maybe you've been exploring Christ, but you've never really stepped over that line and said, no, I want to officially become a follower of Jesus, then I want to encourage you. As Kevin said, today is a great day. It's an absolutely great day to connect with God. I want to tell you, there's no better day to choose to become a follower of Christ than today. You can't choose it yesterday. That's already gone. And you may not get tomorrow, but you do have today. So we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. The second step that we can take is this. I I want to commit to reading from the Bible every day for the next seven days. I want you to put God to the test. God says, Jesus said, my word is food for your soul. I I want you to eat every day for seven days from God's word and see if your soul and your spirit don't do better. Number three. I will turn off all media and meditate on some teaching from the Bible at least once each day during the coming week. I did that this weekend. That was fun. Lots of times when I get in the car, I, you know, I'll, I'll either listen to some radio station or listen to music. And uh, I made it a point every day, uh, once God gave me the message, I made it a point just to turn off all the media and just think. I have to admit, it was way better than sports talk radio. Yeah. It was even better, in some ways, than a worship CD. Worship CDs are good, but you know, you can just get caught up in the music and you're not really meditating. Okay? Number four. I will serve in a ministry at least one time in the next two weeks. I I was really tempted to to put one week, but that doesn't give you a whole lot of lead time. I'm not talking about doing your Boy Scout thing of, oh, there's an old lady, I'll help her across the street. Good. That took all of 20 seconds. Great. I'm spiritually fit now. 
No, 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 no. I'm talking about significant service. And if you don't have an area of service and ministry in the church, I want to encourage you to get on board. Because that's where you're going to grow. That's where you're going to exert. And that's where you're going to put that spiritual food to work. Now as we close, I want to give you two final thoughts. And here they are. Because there's a difference between a spiritual ritual and a spiritual practice. Both are good, but let's take a look. A spiritual ritual, that's an activity that we participate in to bless God and also to feel better about ourselves. Every once in a while, I'll run into somebody and they say, you know, I go to one of those formal churches where it's stand up, sit down, say this, and, and you kind of have to have the playbook and everybody's reading from the same thing. Now, that's not necessarily bad or wrong, but it's interesting what they say about it. They will say, I say, do you like that? Well, not particularly, but I always feel better when I go. If we're not careful, spiritual rituals can become like lectures in college. You know what a lecture in college is? It's a set of truths that pass from the notes of the professor to the notes of the students without passing through the minds of either. Sometimes that's true. Okay? May God help us at churches and never that. Okay? So a spiritual ritual is something we do to bless God and make us feel better about ourselves. A spiritual practice, on the other hand, is an activity that we participate in for the single purpose of training ourselves to be like Christ, to be godly. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.